The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. If you have a Bible, we're going to be turning to the book of 1 John. Um, we are looking at the book of 1 John. So uh, 1 John is like right here in your Bibles. Like you've got like all like the, uh, the maps and then all the different words and where to find them in the Bible. And then you've got, you know, the um, dragons at the very end of the Bible, and then you've got the book of 1 John. So that's where 1 John is right here at the end of our Bibles, and we are going to be looking at it because um, as we're, looking, we're talking about this Advent season of what does uh, Advent mean, we are uh, looking at these four categories. We're looking at peace, love, joy, and hope. <laughs> Sorry, we're having, are we, we're having slide difficulties this morning. Okay, we, the, the, the mountain is very nice. That's Yosemite, right? Um, anyhow, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we're looking at peace, hope, joy, and love. And so this morning we're looking at hope. And we see this category of hope uh, kind of come out at Christmas time because it's the end of the year. We're all looking like, what are we hoping to accomplish this next year? What are we hoping happens this next year? So we're going to be looking at 1 John 2, 28 through 310. Three, chapter 3, verse 10, to see that hope is not just something that's kind of like a warm and fuzzy thing in our lives. Um, hope does something. Hope fights. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these verses for us, and then we'll pray, and then we'll look at them together. 1 John chapter 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know what, that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. We know that he appeared in in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. We know, and no no, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either been, has seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has not been born of God, because he's been born of God. By this is the evident, the evident that you are children of God. And who are the children of the, and who are the children of devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Father, looking at these verses this morning to find hope, and they can feel confusing and hard, but Lord, in them stands Jesus, who came to destroy the power of sin. So this morning, 
we pray that you would give us hope in him, that we would find our life in him and enjoy him and put hope to work in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but how we think about tomorrow shapes how we live today. Um, how, we, how we think about tomorrow, how we think about our lives in the future um, has an effect on how we think about our lives today. Um, you, this is what we call hope, right? How we look to the future, what we think about tomorrow, that we want tomorrow to look like, is how we uh, make decisions for today, how we, how we change our lives for today. Our, our lives... Um, are often built on decisions that we want to happen tomorrow happening today. So, like, if you want to get married, right, if you're, if you're the guy, you, you want to get married, and so you save up to buy the ring now or pay for the wedding now or whatever, right? There, there's something you do today because there's something you want tomorrow, right? Or if you want to lose weight, you uh, put the cookie down today <laughs> so that you lose weight tomorrow, Right? Or if you want to get ultra strong, you start training today so you get ultra strong tomorrow. Or uh, if you want certain political things to happen, right, you vote a certain way today so that hopefully they happen tomorrow or the next day or in 10 years. Um, who knows with politics? Um, but the way we make decisions often for today is built on what we hope happens tomorrow. There's a narrative that we, we want to see happen, right? Hope drives us. And even if you feel like you are a hopeless person, like that you've given up on hope, the reality is that if, you're, if you've, you've been down this road enough, you've been disappointed some, too many times, there's no reason to hope for change, that's still a perspective about the future that affects how you live today. Right? The, the way we think about tomorrow changes what we look to do and how we live today. Right? When we talk about Christmas and we talk about hope, um, it is based around this reality that Jesus came and he lived a life and he said a few things and then he died and rose again and he has said, uh, I'm coming back. And if we're talking about hope, Christmas hope, our hope, our Christmas hope is, is rooted in that future reality. Um, oh, we got it working. Great. See, I hoped it would work. And then and what hope is rooted in uh, changes what it does for us today. Kind of like if you've ever been walking um, and somebody's got an apple tree in their backyard and there's like apples hanging over the fence and you're like, oh, like, I'll, have, I'll eat that apple. That sounds good. Well, it, it'll, it'll kill you if uh, it's tapped into like oil or lead, right? <laughs> that apple will not be good for you. But if it's rooted in something that's true and good, healthy soil, it'll feed you. And so the hope that we want to grab onto and use in our lives today needs to be rooted in the reality of who Jesus is, rooted in the reality of who he is and what he's done. And that is what this, this whole section is about. If you have the Bible, you can look at it. I'll read it out for us. Verse 3, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. See, that's the, that's the I hope in him for tomorrow. There's something I want to happen tomorrow, and it does something to me today, right? So if we're going to be like, what's the main point of this entire passage? The main point, our future hope makes us fight with hope now, right? Our, our future hope, what we want to see happen, makes us fight with that same hope today, right? And that, that, that hope is going to be shaped around who Jesus is. And as we're going to look through this, this passage, um, I don't know if, uh, if when I was reading this, it was confusing to you, because um, uh, there's different authors in the, new, in the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul he was kind of like a professor, like who had like a direct point that he wanted to make, like a math professor, right? And he just says, this, this, this. He, write, he writes in a straight line. John, who wrote this letter, um, he writes kind of like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a counselor 
or have you ever been to like a friend that's a counselor? Like they kind of like talk in circles, you know, <laughs> like or like an echo chamber. Like they'll like say one thing and it echoes off a wall, and like it, there's like different perspectives. And you're like, can you get to the main point? Uh, John is kind of like that. He kind of circles around the main point. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start at the beginning of the passage. Uh, we're going to go to the middle of the passage, and we're going to come back to the beginning of the passage because Jesus is showing us how the future hope of his return, the future hope of, his, of who he is, helps us fight with hope now. So let's start verse 28, and we're going to see the birth of hope. We're going to see what hope does to uh, how it births in us. So what I want you to do, we're going to read through this, and I want you to pay attention to like child language, like family language, like moms, dads, being a child born, because it's all through this passage. I've actually, I've highlighted it for us on this slide. I'm, glad, I'm, so, hope, I'm so glad that the slides work, because I put a lot of effort into them. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him and shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is they did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. And when we, see, when we shall see him as he is. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, this, this hope that's been birthed in us happens because we're children of God, right? There's something that God's done to us that then ha- that, that births this hope in us. It's like a side effect, but it's a main side effect of being born of God, right? That's, that's what he's, he's pointing at. And the first thing we want to, I just want to draw our attention to here, verse 1 in chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. I want, I want, to, I want to zero in on that, that phrase for a second because there's a lot going on there. When he, he says, see what kind of love, there, there is... We kind of miss some of the impact of what he's saying. The, the, the literal reading of that is love from a far country, right? See what kind of, this is a foreign love. Right? This is something that is not normal. That he, is, he is amazed at the kind of love that God has given to us. It, it, the, uh, John Stott, he was um, English, so he's way smarter than me. Uh, John Stott, he was an English pastor, and he said, it is as if the Father's love is so unearthly so foreign to this world that John wonders from what country it may come. Right? This, it's, it's basically what he's saying this, this love that God has for us, it has a passport that's origin is in heaven. Right? This love isn't something that you find every day. This is a love that's from a different country, and that country is actually a different world. It's from heaven, and it's the kind of love that God gives to us that's not rooted in anything that we can do or anything that we've done See, that's what he's, he's, he continues on. See, how do we get this love? How do we get this love from God? See what kind of love the Father has given to us. You see, uh, often I, at the end of the year, we will give to charities or we'll do things because we're trying to um, feel good about ourselves or pay off or get our tax rates lower, right? The way we get this kind of love is not by doing good things and being good people. We get this kind of love because God has given it to us. He, he gives it freely. He's that kind of God who says, I know that you're actually not only from another country from me, right? So God's looking at us. He knows we're from a different country. We're from an enemy country to God, 
And he looks at us and says, but I want you. I want you to be in my family, not just to kind of be a citizen, get a passport, get a visa, and then we'll talk about getting a green card at some point. He looks at us from a different country and says, I want you in my family. I want you to be my son or daughter. I want you to be mine. Right? That is, that is what the Bible calls being called of God, becoming a child of God. And that happens through faith in Jesus. Right? This, is, this is actually, so John wrote a whole book about Jesus, um, the Gospel of John. And he opens the Gospel of John with this statement. He says, okay, because this is like really important to John. How do we become children of God? He says, but to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, so church family, doesn't matter, nor the will of the flesh, right? You can't muscle your way into being God's family, but we're, uh, or the will of man, but of God. Right, the, the way that we become children of God is because his grace is so radical and ridiculous that it looks at us and says, I want you to be mine. And he gives us faith to look to Jesus. And that's how we're born into God's family. Right? It's, it's this crazy thing where if you're wondering, like, okay, how do I get in on this? How do I get to be a part of Jesus or follow him? Well, you're thinking that because he's first set his eyes on you. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to be his, right? This is how all, all children are born, right? Um, no child says, excuse me, I would like to be born. <laughs> Could you please have a baby and that be me? You know, no, no, no child says that, right? I, I've got four boys and none of them, like, there, there wasn't like a selection process, <laughs> right? That's the way we become spiritual children. There, there's, there's no, like, I want to be a part of this, so would you choose me, please? This is, God says, I want children, and so I'm going to make them be born by my spirit and give them faith in Jesus to see me and love me and enjoy me, right? And just like my children reflect me and are stubborn <laughs> and pig-headed and have got uh, drama issues, right? God's children are born looking to God's country, which is where the birth of hope happens, Right? That's what he's talking about, right? Everyone who thus hopes in him, they're children of his. They belong to him. So they begin to reflect and operate and live in a world where God, who's happy, by the way, <laughs> is their father. Right? The first cries of our faith in him is to hope in who he is. You see, this is, this is helpful for us because we're going to move into talking here in a moment about how sin plays out in our lives as Christians. But this gives us hope that God is okay with broken people who are sinners. He's okay to have people who have problems and needs and drama and sin in their lives because he wants them to be resting in who he is and not trying to constantly appease him and make him happy. See, this happens because he's a happy God, right? <laughs> See what kind of love the Father has given us. He is a loving God. And he roots our hope, not in anything that we've done, but that roots it in him. So that, right, so when we do mess up and we screw up and we yell and we get angry and we lust and we lie and we, we're, you know, deceitful people, he looks at us and says, okay, I want you to have hope for change, not in cleaning up your mess and then coming to me. I want you to have hope for change in your life because of who I am because I'm on the scene, because God is your father and he's in the middle of it with you. 
right? He's rooting hope not in like, can I kind of make a mess? Can I clean up my mess? God, sorry, hold on. Let me, don't come over, right? Do you have people come over and you like, got to clean up your house before they come over? God doesn't wait for you to clean up your house to come into your mess. He comes in and he makes you a part of his family so that your hope for change is rooted in him and the type of God he is. It also helps us, I think this, this birth of hope helps us with addressing our anxieties and fears. Maybe some of you are looking at this next year and thinking, God, I cannot handle another one. I don't want to do this again. I know I'm going to go back to this or that. I know this is going to happen again. I want you to put your imagination cap on and imagine with me, what does a future look like with a loving, joyful, infinitely gracious God on the scene in your life tomorrow? And then how do you live today in light of that? He's not leaving, right? He's not going to jump ship. He's not going to wash his hands of you and walk out. He's, he's there. You know, fear and anxiety often are imagining a future without God. Well, this type of God wants you to be in his family, and he wants to be on the scene. And so he's birthed hope in you for change tomorrow. So put your imagination hat on and imagine this God not only just kind of like a figment, like maybe someday he will. He actually does. He wants to help you change. He's there tomorrow, he's there today, and he's there to help you change. That's how we begin to put this future hope fighting with it today, right? Because God's the center of where our hope is resting. But between today and seeing God face to face, there's a bunch of days in between, right? And so we're going to pick up here in verses three, 4 through 10, and we're going to talk about the war of hope, right? I'm not sure anybody's really excited about putting war and Christmas together, but we're going to do that. We're going to pick up in verse 4. We're going to talk about the war of hope, right? There is a fight that happens, and that fight is played out here in verses 4 to 10. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one keeps on, who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, do not be deceived. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever practices... Uh, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for, sin, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. But this, by this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." So here, these are very stark words, right? We kind of, kind of like cold water in the face. This is very stark. What is, what is going on here, right? Is this saying that Christians, once you become a Christian, you never sin, all right? Blue check on your name, no problems, right? There, that's not what's going on here. But, but, let me just draw your attention. He's talking about the realities of how sin steals our hope and sin works in the lives of all people, and he contrasts that with how it works in non-Christians and Christians, right? This is not to say that we don't want our non-Christian friends with us. This is to help us think through what does the life of sin look like with Jesus' family or outside his family, right? So sin, the first, there's kind of basically two categories of what he lays out here. He talks about the nature of sin, 
um, and the origin of sin. So um, there is basically, you have verses four to seven, it talks about the nature of sin, right? Sin is illegal, right? Sin is lawlessness. Uh, sin, what, what's the nature of sin? It's illegal. It, uh, if you think about it like this, right? Sin is God's world, the, the, this is God's world, and it operates by God's uh, principles and design, and anything that goes against that is illegal. Um, and then sin is, its origin is of the devil, right? God didn't design sin or create it. It's the origin, it's father, so to speak, is the devil. Um, and the way that plays out in these verses is sin is lawlessness. Christ came to take away our, our lawlessness so Christians cannot persist in lawlessness or sin. The, divide, the devil, sorry, divide. <laughs> I can't even read. The, sin of, the, origin of the de- origin of sin is the devil. The devil has been sinning from the beginning, right? That's its father. The son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So it's kind of, 